Presses Play. Hey everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Hey everyone, and welcome to our second episode of our Celluloid Crusaders season here on Girl Presses Play. Woof, I did not plan for all that alliteration. My apologies. I hope you all have been doing well, enjoying the still warm bits of weather of September here in the States, and of course, watching all the movies your little hearts desire. So today we are talking about the weird and the wonderful superhero films, which of course, all came out in the mid to late 60s. These two films were recommended by my internet search, and wow, these are so very, very odd. And kind of not strictly superhero films, at least not in the way that we think about them. And after watching them, it really got me thinking about where their place, along with the other oddball superhero films of the 60s and 70s, is in the history of the superhero genre. So in this episode, it's going to be a little silly. It's going to be a little pensive. So buckle up as we take a look at 1966's The Golden Bat, directed by Hajime Sato, and 1967's Argo Man the Fantastic, directed by Sergio Grieco. <laughs> Invincible, invulnerable. Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. But even he had his Achilles heel, a beautiful woman's kiss. So, the Golden Bat's IMDb synopsis is, When the Earth is threatened by an evil alien, a group of UN scientists travel to the lost city of Atlantis, where they unearth a superhuman mummy named the Golden Bat, who is prophesized to help the humans survive this terrible attack. To get a little bit political, um... This plot does seem to be very reflective of movies that came out in Japan in the first few decades after World War II, and specifically reflective of the physical and cultural impact of the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. When you look at this film, the first Godzilla film released in 54, and even some of the horror movies that came out around that time, like 64's Onibaba and 77's Haosu, you can see a consistent theme of an almost unbeatable angry outside force trying to destroy all that you know and love. But back to the details of the film, there's a lot of sci-fi, but also a lot of magic and some pseudoscience <laughs> all wrapped up into one fun bundle. There is this scene where somehow the group of scientists are trying to find a certain stone or natural element to use in their super destruction cannon beam for people who don't know how to shoot cannons good. <laughs> I promise you that's the actual translation of the weapon that they're using to destroy this comet that's coming to Earth. And somehow they stumble onto the city of Atlantis, where they find an Egyptian mummy. If you think this film is going to get any more normal than that, you are so very, very wrong. <laughs> and jokes aside, there's a lot of great stuff about this movie. 
One element that I really loved is all of the very inventive, very practical 60s special effects that they use in the film. There's a lot of really great miniatures and some painted on laser beams and some of the green screen work they use when when the golden bat flies. It actually looks pretty good for the time it was made in. I think also a very strong element of this film is the cast of the film also looks like they're all having a great time making it, which I think is really important for these kind of kookier B-movie type films. I don't know for a fact if any of the actors were trained in kabuki, but there is an element of that very heightened expressionistic acting that kabuki theater is associated with, especially with the golden bat who does wear a mask the whole time, and especially the villain characters. I would definitely say if you loved watching Power Rangers growing up, you will find a soft spot in your heart for this film. And then there's Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. This movie was produced by a group of Italian filmmakers, but for some reason filmed in England. Don't ask me why. And I think that one thing the Golden Bat has over this film is that it knew what its hero was and what type of film it was. Before we get ahead of ourselves, IMDb's synopsis for this film is Argo Man is practically invincible with powers beyond the scope of mortal man. Who is Sir Reginald Hoover? He seems to know what mission Argoman is involved with. Will Jenna Bell become the queen of the world and achieve her wishes to outsmart Argoman? So this film is like a mashup of Superman, Batman, the 60s Bond films, Lupin, and some hints of Roger Corman in there. <laughs> Not only is this movie super 60s with its plot details and its hair makeup and choices and yoga being a main part of the main superhero's pastime. But wow, it's like super horny. <laughs> and I mean like really horny. Argoman's superpowers, which are telepathy and telekinesis, disappear for six hours after sleeping with a woman. Yes, you heard that right. If he has sex, he can't use his superpowers for six hours, as if he's an iPhone that locks if you enter the incorrect password too many times. <laughs> and of course, spoiler alert, the woman he ends up sleeping with in Act 1 is the main villain trying to find a gem that can make any material pliable and also create robot versions of politicians to do her bidding. If you're confused, don't worry, so is I while watching this film. Is it colorful and dripping and swinging 60s vibes? Yes, and it is quite enjoyable for that. Is it also ridiculous and maybe a little too 60s in its, like, views on women and people of color? Also yes. And you know, taking a look at both of these movies, it's so interesting to see how similar they are, not just for the fact that they're both made in the 60s and share a lot of the same visuals because of it, but also how similar they are in the fears they reflect. Both movies have a fear of science being used against their countries, which is really interesting to think about considering the toll World War II took on Japan, Italy, and England. And both of them involve cloning, strangely enough. Um, and it's interesting, in The Golden Bat, there's a scene where they clone one of the scientists and send her in as a mole to get a part for the cannon beam. And Jenabel, the villain in Argo Man, clones politicians to lobby for her interests. So there's definitely an element of women not being who they say they are and having hidden agendas, which 
I don't know if that's a coincidence or I don't know if that's a direct reaction to the second wave of feminism that started in the 60s. Honestly, because there's not a lot written about the development and production of both films, a lot of these theories will have to kind of just remain that. But if you would like to see these films for yourself and make your own decisions on them, you can stream The Golden Bat on Roku for free, and you can rent Argo Man the Fantastic on Amazon Prime. Going off of the fact that there's not a lot written up about these lesser-known superhero films, it's interesting to think about how they might have affected superhero films in later years. So while I couldn't find anything online confirming this, I wouldn't be surprised if the Golden Bat visually inspired Power Rangers, which, yes, was based off of the Japanese series called Super Sentai from 1975. But Super Sentai, I wouldn't be surprised if it was visually inspired by the Golden Bat. So I feel like there's a lot of collective consciousness stuff going on there. And Argoman's irreverent tone and visual style does seem to have some influence on spy shows like Archer and Burn Notice, which granted are spy shows, but still influence nonetheless. I think what they probably did the most in terms of being influential on superhero films is push the boundaries of what it means to be a superhero and what can be done with a superhero movie. Today, it's not crazy to have an irreverent, violent rom-com superhero movie like Deadpool, or on the TV side, a sitcom send-up with superpowers about grief like WandaVision. Or even recently, The Batman, which really feels more like a detective film directed by David Fincher than what we think of as like a traditional superhero film. And in some strange, maybe subconscious way, I think we have films like The Golden Bat and Argo Man to thank for that, to show us what isn't so weird after all. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. Tune in next week when we take a look at one of the classics to end all classics of superhero films and films in general, Richard Donner's Superman. It's a little crazy. I've never seen it. (laughs) It's true. I've never seen Superman, but hey, better late than never, right? So until next time, stay safe and keep watching movies. See you next time. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes, and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page, where you can support the show and get some really cool, exclusive stuff for doing it. Special thanks to John F., Fariolo Fencing, LLC, Marianne O'Dwyer, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. 
The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauve. Thanks again. See you next time. Girl, press this play.